you're listening to Live with Lija. I'm your host, Lija, duh. I'm a lawyer and YouTuber, and I keep you up to date with a zero BS take on the news every Thursday morning at 10.30 a.m. Central, live on YouTube. And then I post that audio here for you as a podcast so you can listen on the go, you busy fucking bee. Enjoy. We're having technical glitches. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Happy Thursday. I hope everyone's doing good. Um, I meant to play the banner thing and then the intro thing, and I hit the wrong button. And so now here I am, live and in person. Seems like uh, live streaming technical glitches are in the air. Is Mercury in retrograde? Maybe. Hi, everyone. Um, I hope you're having a lovely Thursday, a lovely week. Um, we're in the final stretches of it. Uh, last couple days to go before the weekend. The weather is glorious in Minnesota. It's been in the 70s. It's been perfect. Delectable. Hope you guys are all doing great. I'm happy that you're here. Shall we just jump in? to the headlines. Let's just get right into it. All right. Oh, let's see. Where are we starting? I don't even have, I was going to put Trump o'clock, but because in the end, everything is about Trump, but we're talking about DeSantis and I feel like he probably deserves his own uh, heading, header. What do you call it? You know what I'm saying? There we go. But I'm not ready to I'm not ready to give him his own. So we'll just we'll just stay away from it. DeSantis detention time. That's good. That's right. All right. So <laughs> so DeSantis took to Twitter last night, or at least tried to. Um, and it was a big old L. Or was it? As my headline uh, suggests, we are all talking very fervently about how poorly he did on Twitter last night, which isn't that the point of announcing that you're running for president to get people to talk about the fact that you are running for president? Is not that the very point? And here we are. So once again, Elon Musk continues to fail upward. All these white men just failing upward. Um, and it wasn't even a live stream, okay? It was just audio. Like, ever heard of the radio? We've been doing that one for, I believe, centuries at this point. Or at least a century. When did the radio, when was radio invented? <laughs> We've been doing it for a long time, is my point. Um, so Elon Musk has invented the radio, uh, in Twitter spaces, I think it's being called. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Twitter spaces. It's just the radio. It's like a live audio. <laughs> Ingenuity at its finest. Okay. Still can't figure it out. We had 30 minutes of glitches at the beginning. People just talking. You can listen to recording of it. It's pretty goofy. Um, at first, there were like 500,000 people watching. Um, and then they had to like stop it and start it again. And then 250,000 people were there instead. So it like cut the viewership in half. 
um, which is like pales in comparison to the millions and millions of people that, you know, watch Fox News or something, because a lot of people were touting Twitter as this like the new Fox News. Um, clearly not, clearly not, uh, not ready for prime time, as they say. Um, we like to kind of aggrandize everything Elon Musk does into this like superhuman thing. It's not that impressive. I'm not impressed. Okay. Let's, there's some key takeaways here. I think that I highlighted that I thought I highlighted. There we go. Um, so he's being touted as kind of the the candidate of educated right wingers, which is, I think, accurate because Trump talks like a dummy. DeSantis first went to Yale and then got his law degree from Harvard. So while I think he is a big dum-dum, he is good at saying smart sounding things, which I find a little bit scarier than Trump in some ways because with Trump, it's really easy to write him off and be like, this guy sounds like a dum-dum. DeSantis doesn't sound like a dum-dum, okay? Which I think would win over a lot of Republicans and even maybe some centrists. Though, despite the fact that he's able to speak in a way that makes him sound smart, he is also passing radically far-right policies. So I think any sort of educated right-winger probably, well, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, probably would see that and say like, hey, yeah, you can you can speak smart like, but um, the policies that you're touting are so absolutely ridiculous that we can't get behind it. So I don't really know if DeSantis's version of Republicanism is winning, winning. So just an example of kind of the weird things he talked about on Twitter last night. Here's a quote. <clears throat> Some of the problems with the university and the ideological capture that didn't happen by accident. You can trace back all the way to the accreditation cartels. Well, guess what? To become an accreditor, how do you do that? You've got to get approved by the U.S. Department of Education. So we're going to be doing alternative accreditation regimes where instead of saying you will only get accredited if you do DEI, you'll have to an, an accreditor that will say we will not accredit you if you do DEI. We want a colorblind merit-based accreditation scheme. So he's talking about universities, I think, like that. That was a lot of fucking nonsense. What I think he's saying is that if I were president, I would have a harder stance on accreditors of universities and we would remove accreditation of the universities who do do DEI, which DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's kind of like corporate speak, but it's a term that Republicans have taken on as this like woke ideology or an arm of woke ideology. Um, DeSantis repeatedly highlighted his blue collar roots, but it's long been apparent to Mr. DeSantis polls far better with college educated Republicans than he does among those without college degrees who heavily favor Mr. Trump and form the increasingly rural base of the Republican Party. And his campaign introduction night showed why that's the case. The conversation detoured into complaints about the horrors of the Atlantic and Vanity Fair magazines. <laughs> Very relatable to uneducated rural voters, I'm sure. And into discussions of cryptocurrencies and the debanking of politically incorrect businesses. 
Later in his interview with Trey Gowdy on Fox News, Mr. DeSantis rattled off acronyms, ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance Investing, was just one, without explaining what they meant. So he seems to be also pretty good at alienating the very base that he would need to win from Trump in order to become the Republican nominee. So, but DeSantis isn't quick to like criticize Trump because he's also still trying to win those people over, which is like, maybe, maybe focus on pointing out Trump's flaws instead of completely alienating them by talking about shit that nobody fucking cares about. Mr. Santos, DeSantos said that on Fox News that the reason Mr. Biden could get away with shenanigans at the southern border was because there was not a wall protecting it. He promised to build a full border wall, which was a rebuke of Mr. Trump's failure to keep that signature promise. So he's like he's also indicating that he would be more comprehensively aggressive against China. Um, he signaled he wants to confront China on all fronts. Um, he has cited his talent for using governmental power for conservative ends. He said he studied the different leverage points under Article 2 of the Constitution and would put that knowledge to work if elected president. On Fox News, he repeated his plans to use Article 2 to remake the government. Article 2 just lays out the powers of the president. Uh, Mr. DeSantis hinted that he would be more heavy-handed than Mr. Trump was on the federal bureaucracy. Um, part of one of his core arguments that not only will he fight harder than Mr. Trump, but he'll deliver sweeping change where the former president fell short. And like, okay, his interview on Fox News, he portrayed the FBI as one of many federal agencies run amok and said he would get exert much stronger control over the entire Justice Department. He rejected the notion that presidents should view these agencies as independent and said if, as president, he learned that FBI officials were colluding with tech companies, then everyone involved with that would be fired. So basically, he's indicating very strongly that he doesn't give a shit about separation of powers and that he would wield as much power as possible and push the bounds of what is constitutionally acceptable for a president to do in order to have as much power and enact exact as much change as possible as president. And like, I believe him based on what he's doing down in Florida, the lengths he's going to, to be exceptionally radically right wing and the success that he's had. Granted, Florida is a batshit fucking crazy place, but like, again, He's well-educated. He's not a dumb-dumb. And, like, I think he would be pretty effective at continuing to push the bounds of what's acceptable for a president to do. I don't know that he would be able to do so via Congress, but I think he would be a lot more willing to use executive powers to wield his absolutely batshit crazy worldview and impose it upon us in this country and I think he would do so much more effectively than Trump. Trump doesn't really have like the strong radical right worldview that DeSantis does. Trump just does what he thinks is going to make the most people like him, um, which makes him do stupid bad shit for sure. But DeSantis is calculating and ambitious in a way that Trump is not. He's also, his image is a lot more polished than Trump's. 
And I think that the kind of circus that we saw inside the White House that kind of delegitimized a lot of Trump's presidency in the eyes of some people, you know, where everyone's like backstabbing in the White House and like all of his aides are like secretly tweeting about how fucking awful he is. That wouldn't happen under DeSantis based on what he's been doing in Florida. Like he runs a tight fucking ship. And I think he would be really, really quick to use the knowledge that he has of the Constitution to push as far as he possibly could um, to get as much power as he possibly could to make as much change in the direction of his ideology as possible in a way that Trump wouldn't. So in some ways, shockingly, somehow, unexpectedly, I am more afraid of a DeSantis presidency than a Trump presidency. Because I think DeSantis would actually get shit done. And, uh, you know, some people are like kind of writing him off DeSantis because Trump still has a stranglehold on the Republican Party. But after 2016, after what we went through, after that trauma of Trump's win, I'm not writing anyone off <laughs> until the election, election is over. And even then, it appears we have a growing faction and a very strong and very armed faction of people who are willing to do whatever it takes to get the election to be what they want it to be. So after the most recent midterms, uh, for a brief period, DeSantis outperformed Trump in the polls because of how poorly so many Republicans did in the primary, in the midterms. Um, and a lot of people blame that on Trump. So after the midterms, he had a really good showing. Now he's, he's, polling like 20 to 50 points behind Trump, depending on who you ask. Uh, but it does show the fact that he was able to get those numbers at one point. It shows that there are people open to DeSantis. Um, however, as more and more people enter this Republican race, they're kind of all being seen as alternatives to Trump. Or if Trump gets indicted and can't run for president, plan B, you know? And so that means that everyone who's a fervent Trump supporter doesn't give a shit. And everyone who wants someone who isn't Trump is being fragmented into like a DeSantis faction. And I can't even fucking remember all the other candidates. Pence might run, you know, all, they're all being fractured, which is good for Trump. So Trump is actually, other than DeSantis, every time someone new enters the race, he's like, welcome, good luck. Hope you do well. With DeSantis, Trump is still like, he's like insulting him and like throwing little punches here and there. I think because DeSantis does seem to be the best contender to beat him, if there is one. So Trump has clearly sees DeSantis as a threat. But I don't know if DeSantis can win against Trump for the for the nomination. I, I don't know. Because there's another thing about DeSantis, and that is that he hates people. <laughs> He's very much an introvert. You can see that, like, as he, I've heard, you know, political pundits who follow him around and stuff. Um, you can see as his, like, his battery wanes during the night, he, like, often won't go for, out for dinners with the people that he needs to, like, kowtow to. And he's, like, shaking hands, but looks fucking miserable while he does it. And he's not particularly charming. Um, and he loves like control. So he's very, he's like calculated and robotic. Whereas Trump's having a great time shaking hands, having a laugh with people. Like he can be charming in a way that is disarming. 
Whereas DeSantis, like, I don't think he likes being a politician. I think he wants control and power. And so he's willing to do what it takes to get into the White House to do that. So that's spooky. Let me look at your comments. Did Ron pick his nose and shake someone's hand? <laughs> oh, God. I didn't see that. Yeah, Trump will run from his house on house arrest. I think he would run from prison, frankly. Yeah, I think it's probably good to have a split Republican Party. I think it just means that Trump will be the Republican nominee. So it'll just be a Trump-Biden race again, which I hate because 2020 was traumatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pig Tower 2024. Just anything but this. Yeah, DeSantis has a track record of like doing things. Hate that. Hate that. <sighs> Ron tries to act like he's a good person, but isn't. Well, Trump doesn't mind showing that he's an asshole. Totally. And that's what's kind of spooky. I don't know. But maybe it's, I don't know. Like, I think we're, as a country, more used to politicians who gaslight us into thinking that they're good people. See, for example, my video that I just released yesterday on Ronald Reagan. Um, and Trump is a different breed of politician where he's like, yeah, I'm a dick. And look at all these people who fucking love me for it. Fucking, I dare you to challenge me. So... <laughs> Trump would show his asshole to get elected. Yes. Holy, I don't, I just pictured it and I'm, I'm like, very mad about that. Let's move on. Okay. All right. There's another, um, I guess we could put this, uh, no, I was going to put it in the gay agenda, but I don't really want to associate the gays with this one yet. Cause, uh, it might be bad news. Um, I want to talk about IVG. Um, this is something that's kind of old news, kind of old news. It's like a, came out like a month ago, but NPR was talking about it this morning. So then I fell down a rabbit hole about it. I don't know why NPR started talking about it. You know, sometimes news news organizations will just like bring back an old topic just because they're like, I don't know what else to talk about. How about this thing that we talked about two months ago? Anyway. So IVG. Uh, it's in vitro gametogenesis. Gametogenesis. Genesis. Uh, it's where scientists take skin cells and turn them into reproductive sperm or egg cells. The reproductive cells or gametes are then combined to form embryos that result in successful pregnancies and births in mice so far. Um, so yeah, they just take, they take the cells off the tail of a mouse and they are somehow through voodoo magic, AKA science, <laughs> able to turn them into sperms and eggs and then make a baby. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. And a month or two ago, they managed to have some baby mice bur birthed from two biological male rats. Um, so this poses a lot of sticky questions. And it could be a normal part of human reproduction, like in five years. It could be a thing that's a viable thing to do. So ways that this could be good. Um, people who can't, who are having reproductive issues, like if you've ever talked to someone who's done IVF, some people will do like seven rounds of IVF. It's painful. It requires injections. It requires like you to go undergo a lot of hormones and, or you can like freeze your eggs and that's really fucking expensive. Like there's so many ways that people try to have children who aren't able to. This would mean that people who are fully infertile could still have biological children. They would just need a skin cell or like a blood sample or something, part of their DNA. Um, it could be great for gay couples who want to both be genetically related to the child because you don't have, you can, you can create a sperm cell from like the tissue of a person with a uterus, you know? So like a person with a uterus and an egg, you know, like there's a lot of possibilities for gay couples to have children that they're both genetically related to. It also could be great for older uterus havers who want to have children later in life. Um, because obviously now you have to freeze your eggs and then it becomes a whole thing of like, you know, um, this could allow for older people to have children. Um, but there are some very spooky implications, which I imagine your brain can already deduce. But uh, one of them being just eugenics, just eugenics generally, um, because you can combine IVG with CRISPR. CRISPR is like the DNA editing tech and just make designer babies from whoever you want. So that's spooky. Hate that. You could theoretically get the DNA from someone, from their hair or their blood, and reproduce a child using that DNA without their consent. Like imagine if you just dug through the trash of a celebrity and found a strand of hair and were like, Let's make a baby out of this. Though then you run the risk of like, you know, the polyjuice potion conundrum. Whose hair is it? You don't know. Maybe it's a cat. Maybe it's their maid. You think you got Angelina Jolie's hair, but turns out it's not her in the end. So <laughs> weird. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. Hate that. And then there's also like, okay, then are we going to, are like 80 year olds going to start reproducing? On NPR, they, they suggested, like, oh, are we going to need an age limit for reproduction? But I'm like, we let 80-year-old men have babies with 25-year-olds. So, like, it's only when women start to be able to do that that we're going to start seeing some age restriction laws. <laughs> uh, I hate it. There are no cells in hair? All right. Maybe then not hair. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Worked backwards like getting a new Elvis baby. Yeah, I don't know. Could we exhume some corpses and start making corpse babies? We're making real-life Jurassic Park mice. Yes. Yes.
yes, got to get on my grind to afford the. Uh, yeah, Lord knows this type of technology would be super expensive. So, yeah. I just. Is it current news because of. <laughs> Is it current news? Do they talk about it in the ultimatum queer love? Or is it just news because now we have this show about queer love? I gotta say, I am interested in this, the ultimatum, this new uh, season of it. I watched the first season and like it was all 22 year olds just gunning to get fucking married in a weird, in a way that was like creepy, but like I couldn't look away because it's so outside my realm of like understanding of the world. So I'm I'm interested in seeing who are these queers who are gunning to get married. Are they all going to be 23 like like in the first season? Are they going to be older? Are we talking about like U-Haul lesbians here? Like what? I don't understand is I think my thing. I don't understand just the general idea of gunning to get married. I've never been in a hurry. Same with IVG. Like I never want children. The thought is abhorrent to me. The older I get, the less I like children. I love my nieces and nephews. That's about it. Get your child away from me. I live next door to some kids and I think that is making it worse because they're fucking annoying. Sorry if you're watching. I don't think they watch this. Like the family. Um, I don't fucking like kids. I don't know why you'd go to all this trouble to have one. But understand that for some people infertility is a devastating thing so like it could be cool for that and yet also <laughs> horrifying horrifying ay, ay, ay. yeah the first season of ultimatum was it was funny because it was like who are these kids uh, but I understand it. And yeah, romance theme reality shows, fair. I'm a sucker for them. I love being a fly on the wall to other people's relationships. I The the depth of my knowledge of the 90-day fiancé say lore is incredible. Incredible. So I'm a sucker for it. Let's see what else. Yeah, the desperation to get married is ridiculous. And I don't get it. I don't get it. And that's coming from me, someone who is like with a partner I plan on spending my whole life with. So like, I'm not bitter. I just don't, I don't get the rush. Where's the, why are we in a hurry? You know, it also helps that my biological clock ain't ticking. But hey, with IVG, no one's will ever tick again. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got some other shit to cover. Um, let's see. Debt ceiling. Debt ceiling. We we've been we've been working on it. Uh just as a reminder, um, on a week from today, we will start defaulting on our debts. Hate that for us. So Biden and and the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy have been talking. Doesn't seem to be going well. 
In talks with Mr. Biden, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his lieutenants have focused almost entirely on cutting a small corner of the budget known as non-defense discretionary spending that includes funding for education, environmental protection, national parks, domestic law enforcement, and other areas. Well, domestic law enforcement, I'm fine with that. Maybe just you could keep that in there. That budget line accounts for less than 15% of the $6.3 trillion the government is expected to spend this year. It's not outsized by historical standards. It is already projected to shrink as a share of the economy over the next decade. And it has nothing to do with the big drivers of projected spending growth in the coming years, Social Security and Medicare. So really, Social Security and Medicare are like huge, huge money sucks. And now that boomers are aging into Social Security, they will run it dry. Do not depend on it if you are under the age of 50, maybe. Even if you're, if, if I were 50 right now, I still wouldn't. I wouldn't depend on it being around in 15 years. Those politically popular programs have been deemed off limits in the current talks by Republicans who came under heavy criticism from Mr. Biden for even entertaining changes that could raise the retirement age for those programs or make other changes to slow their future spending. Republicans have also refused to entertain cuts to military spending, which is nearly as large as non-defense discretionary spending. As a result, the negotiations are almost certain not to produce any agreement with Mr. Biden that would dramatically alter the course of federal spending in the next decade. So basically, they're saying the back and forth, the tit for tat, it's going to come out all it's all going to come out in the wash. Instead, they would concentrate budget cuts on education, environmental protection and a host of other governmental services that fiscal experts say are nowhere close to being primary sources of spending growth in years to come. And when I say it's going to come out in the wash, I mean, monetarily, it's going to come out in the wash. But who's going to be the most hurt from it? Mm, poor people and middle class people. Thank you. Thanks for playing. While those cuts might not make up much of a dent in the overall budget, they would still be felt by many Americans because the cuts would be so contained to one segment. Many popular government programs would shrink by as much as 30 percent under that scenario. Republicans have for months cited growing federal spending and debt as the reasons they have refused to raise the nation's borrowing limit, risking default unless Mr. Biden agrees to spending cuts. And yet, when Mr. Biden suggests certain spending cuts, they say, no, 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 not those ones, not those spending cuts. The military? No, no, don't touch it. And my thing is, like, what if we just raised income taxes? Like, we're splitting hairs here we could just raise more money. It's We act like the money isn't out there. We act like uh, billionaires don't exist. There's no one we could get this money from. There's no way. There's nothing we can do. Raise the income taxes. Again, citing to my video about Reagan yesterday, because I learned so much making that video. My eyes, they've been opened. So if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. Like before Reagan, people were being taxed at 70% at the highest levels of income earners. 70%, you know how much fucking money we could have in our pockets if we taxed incomes above a certain threshold at 70%? Well, that's socialism. Even though when we say we wanna make America great again, we're thinking of like the 50s when income taxes were at like 70%. That's the only part of that era that I'd be interested in returning to. Yes, get your dad to watch. Get your dad in there. Get him to watch. I'd like to know his retorts. So yeah, we'll see. Unclear what's going to happen in a week. I'm a little scared. <laughs> um, not really because I have anything in the stock market, but just for like the overall 
instability it might cause. Don't love that. Don't love that. Um, so in other news, other uh, news of instability, we're still dealing with the fallout from January 6th, 2021, while actively barreling towards another election. We're still dealing with it. Um, this guy going to prison. He's going to prison. Famously put his feet on the desk of Nancy Pelosi or someone's desk in Nancy Pelosi's office. An Arkansas man who became notorious for putting his foot on a desk in Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office during the attack on the Capitol was sentenced on Wednesday to four and a half years in prison. Richard Bego Barnett, found guilty. Bego, it's a stupid nickname. Found guilty of eight criminal offenses, including interfering with law enforcement during a civil disorder and obstructing the certification of the 2020 election that took place on the Capitol on January 6, 2021. After deliberating for less than three hours, a jury in federal district court in Washington rejected Mr. Barnett's testimony that he had ended up in Ms. Pelosi's office suite while looking for a bathroom and that the 950,000 volt stun gun that he was carrying that day was not working. Not working. I was just looking for the bathroom. This gun, it, it's fake. It's a toy gun. Doesn't It's not real. It's not real. I was looking for the bathroom and I got tired, so I just sat down at that desk. Like, what? What are we doing? Richard be going to prison. <laughs> yeah, send him to the pig tower. Pig tower. Pig tower. It's pig tower for that man. All right, moving on. Oh, this is good news to that guy that the other day told me that I don't cover enough good news. Um... The Biden administration is funding projects around the country aimed at reconnecting communities that have been divided by transportation infrastructure. I didn't cover this. So I recently made a video like a couple weeks ago about um, why America is segregated. And I didn't cover this because I didn't have a feature length film amount of time. Um, but a lot of uh, the development during the New Deal in the middle of the 20th century involved building highways directly through black neighborhoods ruining communities. Okay. So did I highlight anything? No, I, of course not. So this is specifically in Kansas city, but um, let's see. Kansas city officials are looking to repair some of the damage caused by the highway and reconnect the neighborhoods that surround it. The city has received $5 million in funding from Biden. The Biden administration helped develop plans for potential changes, such as building overpasses that could improve pedestrian safety and better connect people to mass transit. So this is the corridor and here's the highway that was built just right through it which of course decimates property values. It makes the area a lot less walkable and livable. And it literally cuts the neighborhood in half. Divide and conquer, ever heard of it? The funding is an example of the administration's efforts to address racial disparities resulting from how the United States built physical infrastructure in past decades. The Transportation Department has awarded funding to dozens of projects under the goal of reconnecting communities, including $185 million in grants as part of a pilot program created by the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law. Remember that? So that's cool. Um, it's not easy, though. The project in Kansas City shows just how difficult and expensive it can be to reverse long ago decisions to build highways that slash through communities of color and split up neighborhoods. Many of the projects funded by the Biden administration would leave highways intact, but seek to lessen the damage they've caused to surrounding areas. And even taking out a roadway is just a first step in reinvigorating a neighborhood. Once you wreck a community, putting it back together is much more worth than just removing an interstate. So positive changes. Um, but probably will be slow to come. Okay. But I did want to highlight that because I think that's cool. And now in a new fear unlocked 
Orcas sank three boats in Southern Europe in the last year, scientists say. A small group of orcas is ramming into sailboats and waters off the Iberian Peninsula. Researchers say they do not know what is driving the unusual behavior towards boats. And if you're like, what kind of the of whale is the orca? It's the free willy kind. It's the free willy kind. You hate to see it. Absolute new fear. Unlocked. No, thank you. It's a no from me, dog. It's an absolute no from me. Nope. 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 But it did remind me of, um, I watched a um, Ask a Mortician video recently about um, the original Moby Dick. Moby Dick, the book, was based on a capsizing of a ship in the Pacific, I think, northern, somewhere out in the Pacific, um, that was caused allegedly by a whale. I don't know if it was an orca. I don't think so. Crashing into the side of the boat. And there have been stories about that happening. So. But they're not they're really not sure why it's happening. They think it may be just like some responsive behavior that like one orca started because maybe they were caught in some nets from a boat or something. And they have it's a trauma response, basically. And scientists have found that orcas share their culture like their behaviors and their culture with offspring. And so like different orca groups have different cultural things that they do. So this could just be that one or two of these orcas started doing this and now it's just a part of their culture <laughs> in this one small sect of orcas uh, off the Iberian Peninsula. Me as someone who would very much like to move to Portugal someday, I am taking notes. Note to self, no whale watching. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, sperm whale and Moby Dick. That sounds right. Part of our culture is to fuck shit up. Yeah. Orca uprising. Orca uprising. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. And then finally, RIP to a legend. Tina Turner. We lost her at the age of, what was she, 83? 83 yesterday she died and the new york times had this little kind of series of photos of her which i thought was fun let me zoom out a little bit so you can actually see the entire photo there we go look at that singing don't look at ike don't look at him he's bad he's bad just making music i want to know can anyone Clue me in on what's happening here with Ike's hairstyle. Let me let me zoom in a little. What's this? Can someone explain? Is this a hair trend I'm not privy to because I'm white? <laughs> what is this? What's happening? Okay. If anyone can can advise, that would be great. I feel okay making fun of Ike Turner specifically because he sucked. Uh, look at that. What a queen. What an icon. This dress, a Bob Mackie original. Anyone who's ever watched Drag Race will know that name. We love a Bob Mackie moment. Janice Joplin, stop. Uh, the moves. 
And then she comes out, uh, and then she comes out in the eighties with this fresh ass, like she is with the Rolling Stones, with this fresh look. Look at this eighties, uh, an eighties icon. Does she sing "What's Love Got to Do with It"? What's love got to do? Got to do with it? Who needs a heart? Oh, that's a good one. Oh yeah, she did the uh, James Bond Golden Eye song from '95. An icon, R.I.P. To an icon, frankly taken too soon. Too soon. The queen. The Queen. Lizzo did a beautiful tribute yesterday. I didn't see that. I'll have to look. <sighs> Icon. Icon. All right. That's all I got for you today. I hope that you have a lovely rest of your week and weekend. Um, yeah, I'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Oh, next week, today, next week, on this day in one week, my new course is officially launching. We did our pre-launch sale at the beginning of this month. June 1st is when the course is live and ready for you to start taking it. So those of you who purchased the course, get ready, baby. I'll be sending out an email with all the information and stuff today um, to kind of tease it a little bit. But uh, if you haven't checked it out, you can do so at delusionmedia.co, delusionmedia.co, um, or you can download my free Get Started Guide, the link in the description down below if you want to get started on YouTube. That's a free little checklist that will help you out. That's my shtick. I'll be back next week with a new edited video. My edited video next week is all about why Americans are obsessed with communism. Um, so that's going to be a deep dive. And then I'll be back Thursday live right here. So I hope to see you then. Bye! Thanks for listening to Live with Lija. Catch me live over on YouTube every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Central Time or listen in podcast form every Thursday afternoon. See you next time, you dirty little rascal.